Bless you. Bless you, Yoda. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Long time. Long time no seeing. <laughs> I was just going to say that um, we have reached the season of life in which life is kicking our asses, uh, respectively. Yeah. Uh, we both had people very close to us have surgery. That's stressful when someone you care about goes under the knife. Yes. I have new people going under the knife this week as well. Great. Um, mm. It's lovely. I'm working a butt ton of overtime with work because we're, like everyone else in the country, severely short-staffed. If only companies would figure out that if you pay more. Several people left last year and upper, way upper management. Well, the rest of the team's rallying and we're getting work done. We don't need to replace those three people. <laughs> well, what happens when more people leave? Then you've screwed over your whole department. It's almost like they don't want to pay employees to do the job that needs to be done. Right. I wonder why those employees left. Well, rumor has it one of them left to do eyelashes, so. Uh, <laughs> Good for them. Follow your dreams with those little little baby hairs. Go for it. Yeah, so uh, I've just been working a bunch of overtime. I said on my personal Instagram uh, earlier this week or last week, depending on when this goes out, that I clocked in like close to 100 hours over two weeks, not in one week. Dear God. But we've been told 50 hour weeks is going to be the new norm for a little while. So woo. Woohoo! It's almost like if companies paid a decent wage and also had decent benefits. Yeah, you gotta have both. You can't just have one. No. Having one of the two makes it hard to leave until someone can find both somewhere else. Exactly. I know multiple workplaces that aren't having that problem because they offer both. Mm -hmm. Mysteriously, even though a lot of people are jumping up and down saying, no, it's just no one wants to work anymore. No, no. It's just last year put a lot of things into perspective for a lot of people. Yep. And I don't blame them. Fight the man. Fight the power. Uh, <laughs> you can't see it. I'm giving you, I'm giving you a good fist right now. In the world of a non-working individual, <laughs> I had my infusion today, so that means my energy levels may be a little lower, but that's okay. I think it'll still be okay. But in other news, something big has come out. The trailer for Antlers has dropped. Do you know anything about Antlers? They grow on deer. You're not wrong. Also, some other mammals, such as elk, moose caribou but that's not what we're here to talk about what we're here to talk about is antlers the movie the trailer has dropped and it looks so good antlers is based on a short story called the quiet boy and it is by i probably should have looked up his name before this but you know i'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name so it is nick a-n-t-o-s-c-a and toss and toasca and and Look it up. It's a great short story. There's a great reading of it on YouTube by someone. I think they just made their demo tape to be able to do voiceovers and stuff. And it has like a bunch of trees in the background and it is phenomenal. I love that story. It's so good. I'm not going to really talk about it too much. Basically, it's about this teacher and there's this boy in her classroom and she noticed that he's very malnourished. He's very quiet. He won't talk in class. He won't participate. He's getting bullied by the other kids. And so she gets very 
very protective over him. She's new to this town, but she's very protective of him immediately because she knows something's wrong. And she ends up following him home one day and he's not living in his house. Kind of about her journey of how she's going to try to help this boy mm-hmm. and what he's going through. Looks so good. Before you watch the trailer, definitely read the short story or listen to it if you're interested. But I'm super hyped about that coming out. Very atmospheric, the story is. It's real spoopy, but it's not, you know. I mean, to me, literature isn't scary per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have uh, problems with uh, imagery and putting things together in my mind. Conceptually, same. even like flavor profiles. Like Brian and I were looking at something and it was like golden raisin rice. And he was like, man, that sounds so good. And I was like, I couldn't put it together in my head. And I was like, that means nothing to me. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. It's weird with books. So I'm about to divulge something here. And you can call me weird if you want mm-hmm. to. So how I listen to audiobooks, like I'll catch myself doing it. Like mouthing the words before they come out of the reader's mouth almost like i'm in the scene hmm. it's really bizarre i i can't like i i don't do it in front of other people like if i'm in a public setting i make sure i'm not doing mm-hmm. that but like if i'm just driving or i'm just like cleaning my house while i'm listening i totally start acting out the scene mm-hmm. not to like a full extent but you know what i'm saying like mouthing the words to make sure you're like actually them. hearing it it is like i am talking right now yeah it's really bizarre I don't know why I do that. Yeah, I don't think I do that. But I will give you a weird thing to compare to you. Not to one-up your weird thing, but to compare to your one thing. My first language uh, was sign language. I signed before I spoke, right? If I'm thinking about something else and you come ask me a question, or I do this in Walmart all the time. Uh So if I'm like looking for something or trying to remember what was on my list and say a stranger walks up to me and says, where's the butt, you know, like, where's the blah, 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 where's the butter, where's the eggs? My brain processes it in sign language first. And I will go, I will sign the word that they're looking for butter egg bread whatever and then i'll go oh it's a an aisle blah 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 that's fascinating just because that's what my brain learned first yeah and that makes a lot of sense and i think that's how i stay connected to the story is that because i'm putting myself where that character Mm -hmm. is at the moment i'll catch myself when they're getting angry i'll get angry and like i'll start looking at a wall and being like what the What's wrong with you? How could you do this? Like, I'm sitting there scrubbing the the kitchen countertop. I'm like, how could you do this? How could you cheat on me? This is absurd. (laughs) You never came back 10 years ago. (laughs) You said you were going out for milk and a pack of cigarettes. And you never came back. (laughs) It's really weird. But um, yeah, read the short story or listen to it. (laughs) I don't know how we got off on that tangent. This week is going to be a little different than other weeks because, again, Freddie Mercury's in retrograde or some shit. I don't know. It's been kicking our ass either way. So we won't have any live quotes because we weren't able to watch these episodes together. And also the episode's coming out late. Frank, this should be the easiest episode of your life. Your whole life, Frank. (laughs) Get it together, Frank. You have two days to crank this out. Frank can do it. (laughs) Frank's... A madman. Before uh, we get into the episode, I wanted to point out that I got corrected. And I, <gasps> as you know, will own up to when I say something wrong. Especially because I do mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff from memory. And I have a lot of stuff crammed into the memory box. Same. 
Same. There's a lot going on up there. Yeah. <laughs> Acting out characters from books. <laughs> My cousin Jessica and I were discussing the beginning of our Gilmore Girls season. And uh-huh. she goes, uh, by the way, you totally said that Alex Borstein was supposed to be the female Luke. She was originally cast as Suki. And I went, oh, shit, of course, you're right. I knew that. It's just there's so uh-huh. much going on in here. And I was like, oh, well, I knew she had something to do with cooking. And I overlooked Suki altogether. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't picture her as Suki, actually. No, I don't think so. Especially because, like you said, I see her more as the teacher from the Lizzie McGuire movie. Mm-hmm. And now I see her in the sidekick role of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, she's also very straight acting, if that makes sense. And I feel like Lauren Graham pulls a very straight face when she's being really quick and quippy. Mm-hmm. Like, she's upbeat and a bubbly person as Lorelai, but whenever she makes her jokes she's very straight-faced about it and so i feel like suki's almost doe-eyedness that melissa mccarthy brings to it of innocence and like naivete Mm -hmm. almost really plays off of that yeah where lauren graham is more of a straight man and melissa mccarthy is more of the like what and bubbly not that alex borstein couldn't have done it but it isn't as natural of a role for her yeah i just i couldn't picture anyone else in melissa mccarthy's role right no episode eight the ins and outs of ends this picks up right where we left off with the last episode that lorelei has finally decided to pull herself up by her bootstraps and she and suki are going to dive in to actually start working on the process of opening their own inn they decide that they are gonna look into the old dragonfly estate and they go to contact the owner this really sweet old lady named fran or francine or franny they called her like six different things we find out that she's a little lonely old widow. She never had children. She's got no siblings. So the Dragonfly Inn was her parents' property and it's the only family she has left. So she refuses to sell it. This conversation is drug out a very long time because she doesn't understand that Suki and Lorelai are asking her what happens when she's going to die. Um, with the property, <laughs> they keep saying like, when you take the long nap, when you take the long vacation. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. I hate vacations. And I was like, I appreciated the joke, but that got, got drawn out a little too long. My first note, was I would have offed Fred myself right there. <laughs> Tripped her on her way out with that bum hip. Yeah, she'd have busted a hip. She'd have been gone by the next morning, man. She, I bet she makes some bomb-ass cakes, though. Oh, I'm sure. So Mia, the owner of the Independence Inn, unexpectedly visits, and I knew she came in, and I thought it was second season, so I'm glad I mm-hmm. remembered that. It dawns on Lorelai that she's told everyone that she wants to open her own inn, with the exception of Mia. She feels really guilty about it, and that she would leave the Independence Inn after Mia was so great to her and let her stay there, work there and work her way up and raise Rory there. Mia is over the moon excited for Lorelai, that Lorelai's doing things and making opportunities for herself and says, I get approached all the time about selling the inn and with you gone, this would finally be my opportunity to do so. Uh And then of course, this makes Lorelai feel even more sad because she thought the inn would always be there. She opens up to Emily that Mia would be selling the Independence Inn and doesn't even realize this news of how upset she would be will upset Emily. So we see throughout the episode Lorelai accompanying Mia throughout the town. They go to a town meeting, they eat at Luke's. Mia calls Luke Lucas. Yes, and we find out that that boy was a skater and a Trekkie. And that made my life better. My very first note is how do I become Mia so I get to be held that tightly by Luke? He had his arms around her, was holding on her. He held on to her for like two solid minutes. It's like wrap, yeah. wrap me up, Luke. 
wrap me up. <laughs> In the arms of Lucas. <laughs> Mia is revealing more and more embarrassing things about Luke. Lorelai starts making jokes about how she's going to need to take time off of work because she needs so much time to just make fun of Luke with all this information she's just learned. Yes. Lorelai goes through this, I'm going to say, internal crisis of the Independence Inn would be sold out from underneath them when it's ready. And Suki is late for meetings. And so she ends up blowing up on Suki. They have an argument because Suki's all in. She wants to go on for the plan. And Lorelai's starting to get a little nervous. Lorelai ends up having a, I'm going to say a coaching meeting with Luke. Kind of talking to her about like owning your own business. And you'll need to do this and you need to do this. And you'll become a corporation and blah, blah, blah. Hashtag boss babe meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Lorelai, with this newfound pep talk, apologizes to Suki. A little later, we do see Emily visit the Independence Inn. She meets Mia. Doesn't let Lorelai know that she's there or even coming. She and Mia square up a little bit. Mia says, when Lorelai showed up here, I thought, where could this person have come from? And if this were my daughter, I would want someone to take care of them. And Emily says, that's funny because I would want someone to send my daughter back home. Yes, that cut deep. Yeah, it was one of those good one-two. It squared up very well. It wasn't a moment where one of the Gilmores is walking over someone else, which does happen a lot in this show. Those two ladies are very squared up and very even. Yeah, it was like two sides of the same coin almost. Yeah. I said in my notes, Lorelai is having a me meltdown (laughs) where she is lashing out at the wrong people, which I've worked on over the past years, trying to get better about that. Because I see a lot of Lorelai wanting stability Mm -hmm. and to maintain something stable the same way I do. So it's not the person's fault that she's taking it out on. It's the fear of the loss of stability and misdirected anger. But yeah, I was like, man, I've been there, girl. I've been there. I'm like, don't do it, girl. Go sit outside for a little bit. Have some tea. Mm -hmm. Smoke some weed. Like, chill. (laughs) I'm glad that she and Suki could make up. Yeah. Before Emily leaves the inn, she does look over her shoulder and ask Mia if she's got any pictures of the the good old days of younger Laura lie and little teeny tiny Rory and Mia says I'll have them sent right over to you tomorrow no problem yeah which how does she know where she lives fascinating look up Gilmore and Hartford oh yeah phone books were a thing whoa plot b someone has planted a fake murder scene outside of Dosi's market indeed Taylor walks out to open the market for the day and there's a big chalk outline and crime tape I'd like to point out that the police officer who responds to the scene says we're doing a head count of the town now to see if anyone's actually mm-hmm. dead right a head count of this town (laughs) just knocking on doors hey mrs wilkes oh little johnny's alive i see little timmy Susie. where's your husband oh down at the bar looks at watch it's 10 a.m oh he's probably fine (laughs) yeah they scour all of stars hollow and taylor is just determined that it is jess because let's be real it is and he confronts luke at the diner luke jumps to jess's defense and throws taylor out and as taylor is leaving he looks over and this is when mia and lorelei are having lunch there and he says Uh oh hi mia and he walks out and my note is taylor's oh hi mia has high oh hi mark energy (laughs) (laughs) it does But my thing was when he was sitting there going at Luke saying that Jess did all of this, his exact quote was, people want action. To which my response out loud, I wish I was recording at the time, was no, no, Mr. Dosey, that's you. You want the action. So put that on the Taylor Dosey X Luke. 
uh, chart. Later that evening, Luke, Lorelai, Rory, and Mia are going to be going to the town meeting and Lorelai is applauding herself because they're actually going to be on time. And then as they run into Luke, Luke's like, actually, no, you're early. And they walk in and the whole town's there and Taylor has already started the meeting. And we find out that it's a secret town meeting. They started it on early on purpose because they're officially formally accusing Jess of this fake crime scene. This man couldn't tell that it wasn't a real crime scene. Yeah. Because there wasn't blood everywhere. Are you? It was ridiculous. Dosey. Luke tears into Taylor. Absolutely tears into him. Made his year. Tells him about how he grew up in this town. He's been there longer than basically anyone else, except for Bootsy, who's five weeks older than him. Yeah, but he got kicked in the head, so, you know. Yeah, uh, just once. Um, just once. <laughs> Lorelai stands up for Luke as well, saying the way that everyone is treating him is really crappy because he stood up and did something good for his family. You know, he stood up to do something. Mm-hmm. The next day, Rory is talking to Jess outside of the market while Dean runs in to pick up his paycheck. She tells him that she knows he's the one who did it. He doesn't even really say like, yeah, I did or didn't, but he says it was funny though, wasn't it? All he wants her to say is it was funny. She gets her second wind and lays into him telling him that he's being a jerk for letting Luke take all this heat for all of his actions. Yeah, it really sucks, but I kind of love the prank. Like it was a good prank and it's not like he was destroying property. It was a chalk outline and some tape, if anything, the boy decorated like he's been trying to get Luke to do forever. Dosi's big argument was that he had lack of sale that day because he was closed for so long. That's because he was an idiot because he called the cops. Yeah, some old lady couldn't get her daily lettuce from him. And so she went to the, a nearby town and got lettuce and they came back and told everyone that the lettuce was better in Woodbury than it is at Taylor's. And Then get better lettuce, Dosi. Yeah, this doesn't <laughs> sound like a Jess problem. This sounds like a Dosi problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor just sucks. So, yeah, meh. Episode nine, run away, little boy. This episode opens with Lorelai receiving a very, very, very late wedding present without a card attached, no return address, and it turns out to be a ice cream maker. Suki's losing her mind over this. She wants to make ice cream, but Lorelai's mission is to return this damn ice cream maker because she just wants it to be sealed, complete closure on her relationship with Max. Basically, she ends up calling a bunch of her family and she talks to this really weird religious aunt who says that she's going to hell and oh she's talking about her other aunt that's also going to hell but she's already there because she kicked the bucket so she gets this whole spiel about how she had a child out of wedlock it was a whole thing we only heard one side of the conversation but we all have that aunt slash family member so we know exactly how that call went yep (laughs) (laughs) So meanwhile, Rory, Paris, Madeline, and Louise are assigned to present the death scene from Romeo and Juliet as part of Chilton's Shakespearean Festival. Whatever, it's basically a glorified school play and the teacher's like, yo, you could recreate this however you want. Just keep the same motif. One of my favorites was the Sonny and Cher show. (laughs) What? Can you imagine? Of course. Of course, of course, Paris decides that you can't beat classic Elizabethan style. So they're just going to go with that. But what happens is a scheduling mix up occurs and not only do they knock at the hall that they needed to practice in, but they also have to take on Tristan. Yes, butthole of a boy. Who they conveniently say like, oh, he's been suspended and that's why he's not been here. He was shooting a Cinderella story. Don't tell us that. 
uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't come back after this episode. He's gone. Which is why the whole, like, he's going to military school. That's them writing him off the show because of One Tree Hill. Yeah, God knows nobody comes back from military school. No. No. No one comes back. No one comes back from that. It's basically a nunnery in the Swiss Alps. No one comes back from that. Anyhow, they get saddled with Tristan. And Paris decides that Tristan was meant to be Romeo, so he has to be Romeo because being a fuck boy, I guess. And then Rory is the best public speaker, so she has to be Juliet. But there's that awkward kiss that's still kind of hanging in the air after that party when she and Dean were on a break. And Rory at first really pushes this away. She doesn't want to do this, but she has no choice because it's Paris. Paris's solution to losing the rehearsal hall, she went on the Googles and she found out there is a site called misspatty.net which doesn't have what you would think it would have because you would think a 16-year-old slash 17 year old girl should not be accessing that kind of material but no you can actually rent miss patty's dance studio on there so that's what she does but this sends rory into a panic because she knows tristan's gonna be in stars hollow and dean's gonna be in stars hollow and dean doesn't know about the kiss and then tristan's gonna run his mouth because he always does and rory's just having a full meltdown about this but there's nothing she can do because of course paris (laughs) she ends up pleading with tristan not to mention anything about the kiss but tristan's already going around town taunting dean at his workplace about to get this boy fired because he's about to throw some hands in the meat section but he doesn't rory calms him down and says hey you know what it's nothing he's just being a jerk i'm all about you and he's like okay that's fine and i really like there was one part where i think she apologizes about the tristan situation outside of the market and he says there's no need to apologize you didn't do anything wrong. It's him. And I really liked that, that he said that to her. That was really nice. He goes and screws all that up later, but we're not going to talk about that right now. We'll get there one day. It becomes showtime and Tristan shows up, but he's not in garb. Everyone else is dressed. They're about to go on. He tells Rory that his dad has shipped him off to military school because he busted into a friend's safe. He doesn't know when he'll be back. And he's just sorry that he screwed anything up and that he was a jerk to her. I love Paris coming marching out like a lesbian icon. She's ready to go. (laughs) She was just itching to put on that Romeo wig and that garb. They did well. They pulled it off. It's all good. Now, earlier in the episode, while Lorelai is on this mission, mission to return this ice cream maker, she's kind of going through a crisis and she's at business school and she bumps into this classmate of hers that they have a running banter of, you stole my burrito. And no, that's not an innuendo. You actually stole my burrito from the vending machine. They're flirting. He's cute. Like he's got a mustache going. He's got a little scruffy hair happening. And so she finally agrees to go out with him just to try to get over Max and put the final nail in that coffin. Well, uh, she does. It doesn't work out. She meets up with Rory at the diner later and she says, no, it wasn't my type, but she was excited because it was a casual date. And she's like, look at me, I'm a casual dater now. You know, happy to be asked out and to be able to dress up and go out and have fun. The next day, after Luke and the whole town has heard about this date, homeboy comes bopping into Luke's with his parents looking like he is fresh off the high school football bus. He's got a baseball cap on. He's all of a sudden like cleanly shaven. Yeah. He barely looks 18 or 19. Yeah, he looks very juvenile. It is ridiculous. And of course, the entire town 
town is giving her shit about it because it looks like she's robbing the cradle out here, man. After Homeboy leaves with his parents because they want to go antiquing. They're going to go over to the Kim. Yeah, you know that's where they were going. <laughs> Can you imagine if he was like, yeah, I went on a date with Lorelai last night. Oh, God, Mrs. Kim would be terrifying. Mrs. Kim ain't never going to let Lane leave that bedroom again. Mm-mm. Well, it comes later anyway, but but the whole reason this kid, I want to say this kid, this guy and his parents came into Stars Hollow is because Lorelai talked it up so much. Yeah. And so even the parents are like, you're Luke. We heard so much about you. I'm so sorry about Rachel leaving. And it's like, whoa, Lorelai, what did you say on this date? My note is more shots fired in Luke's because Lorelai's sitting at the counter. Yes. The young date leaves. Yes. Lorelai goes, all right, say what you're going to say or make the joke that you're going to joke. And Luke goes, I'm not going to say anything. But he looks over and there's two actual children sitting next to Lorelai. Yes. <laughs> and Luke looks at the children and goes, actually, kids, could you move down a couple of seats? I would feel more comfortable that way. <laughs> One of the best scenes up there with Luke pushing Jess into the water. It was peak. Later in this episode, when Lorelai invites Luke to join them for the Shakespearean festival, he says he can't go, but he tells her to bring baseball cards to pass her phone number out on. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And then he said, hey, Doogie Hauser was a doctor at 16. And then Lorelai says, well, he's not real. And then Luke gets out of very, how sad for you as he walks off. <laughs> it is peak. Peak. Also in this episode, Suki was talking to Lorelai about how much Luke loves her. I was like, man, if one more person tells this woman how much this dude loves her when it is clear, I'm going to lose my damn mind absolute fury this is my note for the episode close because you see luke looking at her lovingly because he's in love with this lady this is my exact quote oh my god this man is ready to fall over and worship this woman why can't she fucking see this Ah! (laughs) right right fall over and worship her he would fall over and worship her and she's just like i think we're just friends <gasps> yeah he doesn't feel that way about me at all <sighs> yeah it's painful episode 10 the brace bridge dinner i, I like this episode. love this episode because it's, it's so a good cutesy. episode it is there's so much good stuff about this episode it's a good towny episode yes also i just want to open this by saying these are some of the fakest snowmen i have ever seen in my life they were carved out of styrofoam yeah yeah yeah. on that note the episode opens with lorelei and rory building this horrific snowwoman and they're like no i think we have actually have a good chance as the head of this thing falls off yeah but it's bjork so it's fine yeah and they're complaining because this one guy is a professional snowman builder he's using glitter he's got actual like chainsaws buffers yeah all sorts of ridiculous stuff we find out that lorelei and Suki have been planning for this big historical dinner, this big group, I don't know, out of Chicago, had rented out the hall, had rented out the inn, and they were going to have this like very period specific dinner, this big feast. Jackson's going to have to play the character of the squire and we find out because he fits the costume. (laughs) He a big boy. But it's very specific of this kind of roast and this kind of appetizer. It's a seven course meal and everyone that works there has to be in character. But a blizzard has come in in Chicago preventing that group to be able to leave to come into Stars Hollow for it. And so because Suki's already cooked all this food and prepared everything and obviously the the inn was all rented out. Rory Uh and Lorelai and Suki, some combination of that group decide that they are going to still have this party and they're going to invite everyone from stars hollow to come stay and enjoy this feast yes and 
At Rory's urging, Lorelai also invites Richard and Emily to stay in the best room in the house because Richard has been really, really sad. Yeah. It's still continuing this whole, he feels like his work is trying to force him to retire. He's not ready to retire. Lorelai has arranged horse ride. Yeah, horse rides for everyone in the carriage. Horse-drawn sleighs. Thank you. Horse-drawn carriage rides for everyone. Groups of sleighs. Or sleighs. Those were. What's the difference between sleighs. a carriage and a sleigh? A carriage has wheels. A sleigh is a sled. Those didn't have wheels. No, they were sled. I don't fucking know. Anyway, <laughs> Lorelai has arranged rides for everyone. Uh, you bitch. On sleighs. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. As Richard and Emily are going through town, Richard is very giggly. Emily's kind of complaining to Richard about this because she didn't have any idea this was going to happen because it's messing up her hair. And Richard goes, I can think of somebody, something else that'll mess up your hair. And he gives her a hoo 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 giggle. Mm. And it's very cute because you see that something is finally turned around in Richard. During dinner, he's telling stories of some of their travels and Taylor leans in and says, you know, Richard, I think this is the most interesting conversation I've ever had with an insurance man. Mm-hmm. And Richard goes, yeah, I know what you're saying. Insurance men can be kind of boring or something. And he says, I'm glad that I'm not associated with them anymore and drops the huge bombshell in front of everybody oh. that he has quit his job. He didn't consult his wife on this big life altering decision. Gets kind of awkward, kind of quick. Dean, of course, had to take his little sister on the sleigh ride. And so Rory is going to go solo when Jess like runs and like jumps in the sleigh with her. <sighs> and as they're yeah, going through town, Jess is yeah, asking her questions. Like he's prying into their relationship a little bit of, does yeah. he even know Bjork? What do you guys talk about? And I think your snow person is the best per- you know. And Rory says, doesn't matter because this one's going to win. And Jess is like, mm, I don't think so. It's too overdone. So Jess is just trying to create that little wedge between Rory and Dean. Man, it worked for me. <laughs> There wasn't a need to drive a wedge. I'd yeet Dean in a lake at this point, so. Mm -hmm. And I only have a couple of notes for this episode. Like I said, this is a really fun, like, towny. You get to see how the town, like, works with one another. But it isn't, with the exception of Richard quitting his job, it isn't one that's very important for overall plot. So at the very beginning of the episode, we see that Michelle is on the phone at the end. Rune is jumping up and down trying to dust (laughs) the top of portraits that are in this lobby because he's still working at the end. My note is just someone get Rune a freaking ladder. And... Michelle finally walks over and pulls the picture off the wall and like hands it to him. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Rune is such an idiot. He infuriates me. Mm-hmm. He's like everything I hate about men in one person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like this character really much at all. So. No. Like I said, I just hate him. This is also the episode where Jess was in a fight and Dean pulled him off of him. And so Jess took a swing at Dean. Boy, there was a good foot tall difference there, but that boy didn't care. He said, let's roll, baby. Is this Minecraft? I'm about to punch a tree, boy. Also in this episode, there's a very quick little moment where Christopher calls because he knows Christmas break is coming up and he really would love for Rory to come visit him during Christmas break and stay with him. While Lorelai is on the phone with him, she's also running harp auditions for the Bracebridge dinner Mm -hmm. and Christopher hears the harp in the background and my note is Christopher (laughs) has a really great joke where are you heaven (laughs) and i laughed a lot yeah yeah. i will reference this phone call in a couple more episodes yeah i i thought everyone in the sleigh was really cute lorelei and luke were in a sleigh together Mm -hmm. 
oh, um, Emily and Richard, which you already talked about. And I like that they smooth things over by the end and she she just wants him to be happy. And dude, sad Richard is such a buzzkill. It just kills the vibe because he's not even sad as much as he is, again, misdirected anger at other people. And I... Yeah, we can tell this is the beginning of his wandering for a little bit. He worked for so oh. long. His plan was to yes. work till he died and now he just quit his job. He says yeah. as he walked out of his boss's office, the secretary was staring at him and he realized, mm-hmm. oh, it's because I'm smiling and people haven't seen me smiling here for a long time. And it was just like, oh, I understand yeah. work stress, man. Right. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick break. Episode 11, Secrets and Loans. So in this episode, Lorelai and Rory have an argument after Rory goes kind of against her mother's wishes and asks her grandparents to lend Lorelai the money to fix their house because one lovely snowy morning, Lorelai grabs her big mug of coffee and she's walking on that beautiful wraparound deck, Mm -hmm. which we know how she afforded now because it's got termites. And her foot goes right through it. Of course, they call Kirk. It's going to be $15,000 to fix. Stupid experience. Which is obscene. And she doesn't have that kind of money. Of course. She didn't even have $5,000 to send Rory to Chilton, much less an extra fifteen grand laying around. Yeah, she goes, I've never had $15,000. <laughs> I I'm trying to picture it in my head and I can't even picture it because that's how not used to $15,000 I am. It ends up where Emily sets Lorelai up for a loan meeting because every other bank has turned her down at her bank. And when they go in, R- Lorelai really wants to do this herself and she wants to be independent and she tells the guy hey listen i want you to pretend like my mom's not here act like i'm any dude off the street here's my information i have letters of recommendation pay stubs everything here and he basically goes no i can't give you a loan <laughs> this is ridiculous now i can't give you a loan she's like well what what do i have to do to get this loan because i can't just abandon my house finally he says well you could have someone co-sign on the loan and that's where emily comes in she's just sipping her coffee over there the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows knows what's coming. So they end up getting the money to fix the house. In Rory's side of the world, the PSATs have come back and Rory didn't do as good on verbal as she did in math, which I found very interesting and maybe foretelling, but maybe I'm looking too much into that. Don't know. But basically this drives Paris insane because Rory will not tell her her scores. And she, of course, wants to compare herself. What leads up to this is they're sitting at the table and no one wants to know Paris's score because they all know she tested better than they did. And when I say they, I mean Madeline and Louise. I did not remember them being as prevalent as they are. Mm-hmm. Finally, Rory asks Paris and Paris is like, oh, I got a blah, 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 blah. What did you get? And that's none of your business, Paris. And then just gets up and walks away. So this whole episode, Paris is trying to find out Rory's PSAT scores, which she never does. No, it's dropped really quickly. So Rory is just being polite because she did do better than Paris did. And she knows Paris will spiral out even more. So she's just like, it's not important. Yeah. But meanwhile, Lorelai's like, gloat a little. It's good for your skin. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be like, I got a 775, biatch. The only note that I made for this episode was this is a slight separation between Rory and Lorelai because 
Mm-hmm. Lorelai put her foot down that she was not going to ask the Gilmores for help. And Rory, even though she did it right in front of her face, obviously, but she went behind Lorelai's back and against her wishes and just came mm-hmm. out and asked Emily for help. Emily was yeah. ready to write that check. Yeah, she was. I just made the little note because I said I was going to track it this season. There is a little slight wedge because Rory is, I was going to say happy to ask, but she's more willing to mm-hmm. ask for help from Emily and Richard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'd have backhanded that kid <laughs> right in the middle of the hall. I'd have been like, wow. It's a little complicated because it's not like she's asking for $15,000 for something ridiculous. It's to save their house from termites. Yes, but you're not the adult in the situation. Mm -hmm. Like you do have a dog in the fight because you have to live there. But also trust that Lorelai will find a way to keep Rory with a house over her head. You know? Yeah. L- Lorelai even said that. She's like, have you ever needed anything? And she's like, no. Exactly. That's my thing is just blatantly in front of her not doing what they had talked about. Also, I caught a moment as I was watching it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is where this happens. And then I was like, oh, no, this isn't what I remembered at all. Something very parallel to this happens, but it happens later. Oh. Okay. So Luke offers to loan Lorelai money for the house. Mm-hmm. And later he's going to lo- loan her money for the Dragonfly Inn. Oh, she accepts gotcha. it then, but she doesn't accept it now. But I forgot gotcha. that. So I just remember him loaning her money. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is great. No, this is not where she accepts his money. That's my one note for this was there's a scene where the new basketball team gets new outfits or whatever and (laughs) dosi makes these boys strip in a snowstorm in front of the entire town out of their jacket and their pants to show their new they rip their pants off it's a little weird the snapaways yeah all i'm saying is is uh luke better make dosi scoot a couple more seats down because uh (laughs) that's making me feel more comfortable if he's uh on down at the other end. Oh, and in this episode, we find out that Lane becomes a cheerleader, which... Who cares? Okay, sure. <laughs> episode 12, Richard in Stars Hollow. This episode hit close to home. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Witsy's getting dark with one of these notes. Whoa! I made the note. It's the last one for the end of the episode. And I'm just going to say, when I typed this one out, I laughed. I had to pause. I laughed so much. And at this point, Brian is sat down and is like watching these with me, but he's never seen any of more girls. So he's even like, uh-huh. I didn't know Melissa McCarthy was in this. And look how yeah. young Lauren Graham looks here because he watched most of Parent with me so i make this note and i like repeat it to him and he even went like <laughs> it's a little too dark okay so as i mentioned richard is wandering because he has quit his job and he i guess technically give a two-week notice because we find out that he had to wrap up different accounts and close things out and now that he is done with this he has been driving emily absolutely batshit insane just up a wall he's noticing things he's never noticed before is that your third cup of coffee this morning it's a lot of coffee this early you wore shoes that didn't match your purse and he's just making all these little observations and just like little comments about everything she makes the comment to Lorelai that all of their married life Richard's been working so he's either been in the office or he's been gone on business and now all of a sudden he's just there dear god he's there all the time he doesn't leave she makes the comment that she's going to the dry cleaner asks if there's anything he wants her to bring or pick up and he's like oh I'll go with you and she's like uh you can't go with me because i go from the dry cleaner to the dar meeting and he's like i'll just join you to that and she's like well from that i go to this and he's like that's fine i'll accompany you there too she's like then i get my hair done he's like you can cancel it and she's like no 
that's where she puts her foot down. She's like, I'm not canceling my hair appointment. And he's like, your hair looks fine. She's like, my hair looks fine because I get it done every Wednesday at 3 p.m. You're not canceling this. She was not about it. She would let the other stuff slide. The daughters of the American whatever revolution. revolution. Yeah. That's fine. Homeboy can sit in on that. My hair comes into... Qu- mm. I find this dynamic interesting because, and I like your perspective on it. So because Tanner and I have been together since we were teenagers, we've had time off together, if that makes sense, where we're not in school, we're not working. Mm -hmm. And even like when he was working from home. And yeah, I mean, when you're stuck in a house with someone for months and months and months, sometimes it can get old. But I never wanted to strangle him or like, just get him out of the house. Just get him out. Like I was really sad when he went back to the office. (laughs) As I'm shaking my head now, I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that's very interesting because I mean, my grandparents are like that. When they got married, my grandpa always worked until recently. And now my grandpa, he retired and then he could not sit still long enough. He had to start contract working out of town. Mm-hmm. And so then whenever he's home, my grandma's like, he's off working on something somewhere because he was driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up with that dynamic. My dad works in the oil field. So he was always Mm -hmm. gone two, three, four, five, six weeks at a time. And then he'd come home for one to two weeks. And when business with the oil field is slow because it's the oil field and he's home three, like pushing three weeks, it's like, because he's getting irritable because he should be at work. His routine's thrown off. So he's getting irritable. Uh We're getting irritable because all of a sudden, like the man of the house is just constantly here. And we're like, why won't you leave? (laughs) We always loved when dad came home, but you know, yeah get used to you get used to that and then when that changes it's like well i have my routine you need to find your new routine because your lack of routine is affecting my routine got you see i feel like maybe we did have i won't say rough spots it wasn't like we're breaking up yeah no but it was more just because you know there's a pandemic i can't work i can't leave the house because some trucker is gonna cough in my face and put me in a hospital that I can't pay for. And then also at the same time realizing a lot of your friends and family do not care if you live or die. They just don't want to wear a mask. So I feel like that stress came together, I guess, during that time. But still, like, I mean, we always got along. I feel like, you know, I wouldn't hate it if Tanner was working from home all the time. But that's just it. He would be working. Take working out of the equation. The two of you are just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, that's fine. We've done that before. For periods of time. No, it doesn't bother me. Honest to God, we do the same thing we do all the time. We just sit at our computers and play shit or we watch stuff. Yeah. That's all we do. I understand it because, like I said, yeah. when you have a routine, like Emily laid it all out. I have my hair done yeah. every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Yeah. I'm not canceling that. I have this and I have this and I have this. And Richard's just trying to glom on to what she's supposed to be doing. See, I feel like Tanner and I are both very independent people of each other. Right. He does not care what I'm doing. Sometimes I care and I want to be involved, but if it's like playing something. Mm-hmm. But like if he's playing a game I don't care about, then I'll go like watch TV. Right. And that's what's missing here is Richard doesn't have that independence because he doesn't know. He's wandering. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, he he's just, lost. He, he, doesn't he just doesn't know what he's supposed to do. So he's glomming onto her where she's used to being independent. Yeah. Now she's like, why am I holding your hand in this? Then yeah, that makes that's sense. The, I... That's the issue here. So Emily finally calls in or talks to Lorelai at Friday night dinner and says, please for the love of God, invite your father to visit with you one day. Just let him follow you to work and, you know, just stick him somewhere with the paper because, dear God, I need a break from him for one freaking day. Lorelai really doesn't want to. This, I feel like, is a good continuation of what we were starting to learn about Lorelai and Richard's relationship when Richard went into the hospital. There is so much awkward, I'm going to say silence, 
between Lorelai and Richard of all of the things that went sour in their relationship that they've never resolved. And so when the two of them are now forced to spend one-on-one time together, you can tell that there isn't a warm and fuzzy relationship there. It's very snide, and I don't think he necessarily intends on being snide. I think he sees it as being helpful, Mm -hmm. but it is snide. And that's why I said this feels very familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Just like telling her how to talk to clients. Like, you can't joke with clients. You're flirting with that man. She's like, I said what I had to say to get my linens here. If anything, that's like very intelligent on her behalf yeah very commonplace nowadays it isn't how richard would have done business in the old days but but he's also a man mm-hmm. and he's a man with a very commanding voice yes richard speaks and people listen that's the problem as a woman people don't effing listen mm-hmm. so yeah richard comes to town and it's just really driving laura like crazy the whole plan is is that he's gonna sit with her well he's gonna sit in the inn because he wants to watch how she works rory is supposed to quote relieve Lorelai when she gets home from school but paris comes in like a mack truck and shits all over this plan because <laughs> like a bird we want to fly over chris watts <laughs> yes and just completely just destroys this plan because she wants to win some award for the Franklin, the newspaper for their school. And she's found the perfect story and she's going to write this expose on the seedy underbelly of Stars Hollow. (laughs) It's going to be the front story and she's so excited. So she marches into Luke's because she's like, oh, a small town diner. Like, I bet he sells drugs to truckers. And there's huckers. And she's interrogating Luke, drilling right into him. And Luke looks at Rory and goes, is is she serious? And Rory's like, just go with it. You know, it's easier. Jess comes down from the... And Paris goes, where'd you come from? What's up there? Like, this is my note. Jesus, Jess just made me laugh. What's happening here? Because Jess goes, I think she's on to you, Uncle Luke. You better give it up. And this is an unfit place for me to work. May I please go to school? And gets chased out of the diner. I'm sorry. I like Jess. I know he's a punk, but he's like a punk with a heart of gold. I like the Jess-Luke interactions. I still don't yes. like Jess for Rory, but we'll get there once that actually kicks up. I don't like Jess for Rory. I like Jess for me, but that's another story. <laughs> actually, I saw this meme on Instagram that was, uh, as teenagers, Rory's too good for him, but as adults, he's too good for her. And you could see that coming. I feel Which like. is interesting because one grew up and one kind of didn't. Uh, exactly. <clears throat> we will get there. We will get there. We will get there. Also within this episode, Rory is in the video store and Kirk is at work at the video store, which I think is what I selected on that one of those quizzes is pick which Kirk you want to be. And I was like, I want to be video star Kirk. But Rory confiscates a tape of showgirls away from two small children because there is a naked woman on the front. She's covered, but you can tell she's naked. And so she turns it into Kirk and is like, maybe this should be up on a higher shelf away from five-year-old boys. This accidentally like snowballs into this whole thing where it looks like she's encouraging censorship in the video store. And as she and Paris are walking through town, Taylor pulls her in to the video store and says, you know, now we have this whole back room in the video store behind the curtain that we're donning the Rory curtain. So Rory's upset about this. She's like, I didn't want to have anything of this. I just wanted this movie moved up a few shelves higher. Like you guys are blowing this out of proportion. And Paris decides that's going to be what they write about for their paper is small town censorship. Richard and Lorelai come home and we see that Rory's already home. The plan is, is that they're going to order Chinese food for dinner. Richard and Lorelai are having mm-hmm. a conversation because Richard sees the 
the Harvard obsession board in Rory's room and he takes it upon himself to talk to Lorelai that she doesn't really want to go to Harvard. She wants to go to Harvard because she thinks you want her to go to Harvard. She should be considering other Ivy Leagues. Yale is better than Harvard. He would know because he went to Yale. But did he go to Harvard? I have two notes here. First one's like, too bad she doesn't end up going to Harvard because she's like, Harvard's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then my second note is, Richard is so right. Yale is better than Harvard, parentheses, because Logan doesn't go there. (laughs) (laughs) It's about this time that Dean shows up with that car because he Uh finished building it and Richard absolutely has a meltdown that she can't be driving a car built by a boy because he's not a mechanic and he didn't have help from a mechanic. And the two of them have a pissing contest. I have a note that this is the first mention and the introduction of Gypsy. I've been waiting for her because I love Gypsy's character. Yes, this was my one note. It was about Gypsy. So they take the car down to Gypsy's. Well, it isn't Gypsy's. Gypsy doesn't own the business, but Gypsy runs it. They run it down and Gypsy looks over the car, top to bottom, left to right bumper. Three times. Yeah. And she's like, I'm getting tired of looking at this. And then finally pulls the windshield wipers off to be like, here, I found a problem with this car. <laughs> yeah. Richard gives the car yeah. the seal of approval. He comes back to the house without Dean because Dean's, you know, I guess, fixing the windshield wipers. And Lorelai tears into him. And this, I feel like, parallels the argument that she had with Emily when Rory didn't come home from the dance. I think it's interesting that she finds such confidence to finally stand mm-hmm. to her parents in her house. Yeah. Yes. When it's in their house, forget it. She doesn't have it. She feels small. That's her house. It's her safe place. But yeah, this argument or this talking down parallels the one that she had with Emily of, I am the parent here. Rory is my responsibility. If you have a problem with the way I'm parenting, you can leave my house. One thing that really rubbed me the wrong way about what he said, and I saw it on her face. So growing up, there was a lot of emphasis on like, don't eat this. It'll make you fat and it's bad for you. And this thing where like, I was a kid wanting chicken nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Whenever they were ordering the Chinese food, Lorelai says, oh, just order four different things. We'll just split it and then throw the rest in the Mm -hmm. fridge. And he's like, oh, you're teaching your child to be gluttonous and wasteful. Yeah. And that really like opened up something I didn't remember I had. Yeah, they just have such different lifestyles. So like I said, Richard's been Mm -hmm. picking and making judgment or making comments on everything that everything that Emily's doing and now everything Lorelai's doing now that he's spending time with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Richard and Emily live a life of... Um, Immense privilege. Right. I'll I'll just say a privileged life. And they have staff that cook them a fresh dinner every single night. Mm -hmm. With portion control. Yeah, exactly. Lorelai doesn't cook. (laughs) Her method of it isn't just stuff yourself until you want to die. It's eat what you want, throw it in the fridge, we'll munch on it for the rest of the week. It's all good. Which is fine. Yeah, it's just different. I thought it was really sad, though, because he wasn't expecting Lorelai to dress him down in that manner. Deserved it. Oh, I'm not saying (laughs) it was wrong, but he just wasn't expecting it. And he loses his appetite and he excuses himself to go home. But he doesn't mention it to Emily. So he comes in and you can tell he's very sad. Because he also goes into Lorelai a little bit of, you didn't actually want to spend time with me. Your mother called you. I know your mother called you and begged you to take me off her hands. I'm a nuisance to my wife and I'm a burden to my daughter. And chains your attitude, bro. He's just in that stuck wandering and he's like, you don't know what it feels like to be obsolete. So he goes into his home and he tells Emily that he had a great day and that they had Chinese food together. And she's like, oh, you love Chinese food. And he's like, yeah, and it was delicious. I think I'm going to go into my office and, you know, work a little bit on something. And she's like, okay, dear. And remember, I prefaced this with a really dark joke. So he walks into his office and it's kind of dim. And he just sits in a chair and like looks at the newspaper. But my joke is, and that's when Richard opened the top drawer of his desk, exposing the revolver. 
<laughs> I was about to make the same joke. <sighs> yeah, real dark. Because he walks in and it looks like he's just going to be like, well, here we go, boys. This is my 13th reason why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I said this out loud because I was so proud of myself and it, it wasn't received well in the room earlier, but I'm glad you left. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 13, A Tisket, A Tasket. So this is where we start to see things really heat up between Rory and Jess. But the annual Stars Hollow Charity Picnic Basket Lunch Auction. Wow, that was a whole mouthful. Also, I'd like to say that it's annual and this is the second season and there was no mention of this in season one. Continue. You right. You right. <laughs> but it sparks controversy among the couples throughout the town. We got Jess and Rory and Dean and Rory and Sue. Suki and Jackson and Lorelai and all of her suitors that Mrs. Patty's trying to hook her up with. We'll get there. We'll get there. The way Lorelai looks at it, she's like, you could just throw like a Pop-Tart and an open Slim Jim and some empties in a basket and people just buy it for charity. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. Any trash that you forgot to take out last week, you can just throw it in here. People buy it. She's taking this very lightly while Rory is making Dean's favorite foods and trying to like put things in there that he likes for him to bid on. But everything goes south when Jess outbids Dean for like 90 bucks for this tiny basket of food that's disgusting come to find out <laughs> yeah it's insane and dean goes off in a huff he's all pissed because he doesn't have all that money to spend one where did jess get all this money to spend sus he's working for luke and you would think as a server he's picking up tips he doesn't have a girlfriend so dean's spending all his money because he's a boyfriend luke isn't one of those jerkball guys it's like you have to work in my store to pay for your bed no and that kind of thing he's like actually teaching him how to work a job yeah and it's to keep him off the streets committing crimes the mean streets of stars hollow well they're mean streets because of him but i digress <laughs> all those gnomes are shaking in their boots yeah. this causes dean and rory to quarrel or squabble as i like to say when rory abides by the tradition and shares the lunch with jess dean's getting real pissy i don't like this this ain't a good look this is some mm -mm. small d energy mm -mm. i'm not about it get out of here with that nonsense meanwhile jackson is refusing to bid on suki's basket because when he asked earlier about renewing his lease suki said he should do it because he likes that apartment it's a good apartment renew the lease instead of getting the hint that he wants to move in with her which ends up kirk buys it even the basket's edible i guess which is kind of insane <laughs> it's got a goat cheese filling and like a pretzel outside yeah she <laughs> went over the top like always insane after this whole kerfluffle goes through they they talk it out and Jackson realizes, oh, I'm kind of being a jerk. She just like genuinely didn't think about it and tries to buy the basket off of Kirk, but Kirk refuses. He ends up having to pay Kirk in installments of carrot sticks because Kirk was very disappointed there were no carrot sticks in this basket. And carrot sticks fall in Kirk's S tier. Spoiler. Especially the crinkly cut ones. <laughs> but they end up smoothing it over so much so that Jackson ends up spur of the moment proposing to Suki while they're sharing their basket lunch. And it's really cute. And mm -hmm. she's completely caught off guard. I think he's caught off guard. But yay, they're getting married. They're so excited. Mm -hmm. In Lorelai's neck of the woods, Miss Patty has been carrying around a picture of Lorelai <laughs> to show to potential suitors. I have a note that just says Miss Patty the town pimp. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
She got the walk and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's sending Lorelai resumes of dudes about how they like D&D and (laughs) just all kinds of weird stuff. But Lorelai sees her basket up there and she's just giggling because she knows what's inside of it. But then all these dudes start outbidding each other and just bidding up and bidding up and bidding up. Yeah, two stale Pop-Tarts and a Slim Jim. (laughs) Yeah, she panics, runs into Luke's diner, grabs him. is like, you got to help me out here, man. You need to come bid on my basket. Let's go. She drags him out there and he wins the bid on the basket and they spend lunch together, which... (laughs) He, uh, he asks, what's even in this thing? Two stale Pop-Tarts and a Slim Jim? Exactly. Yeah, he goes, uh, you want me to bid $46 on what? On two stale Pop-Tarts and a Slim Jim? And I looked at Brian and I was like, that's why they're perfect for each other. Because that's what she said earlier was in it. And he knew that's what was in it. (laughs) Brian was like, okay. (laughs) This is the dumbest thing I've ever watched. It's super cute. And they end up saying, well, uh, yeah, this is not going to be a lunch. Let's get some of your food and sit at the gazebo. And they sit at the gazebo and then they come to the conclusion that they really enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. And it's really sweet. I love it. Jess and Rory end up going out to the bridge that Jess got pushed off of. (laughs) <laughs> to eat the meal and Jess hates the food it's gross she's like Dean would have never fallen for that like yeah, it's like <laughs> purposely gross or something yeah I don't get the joke but okay cool yeah Brian goes what was that food and I'm like I don't know but neither of those girls know how to cook so I'm, I'm sure if he couldn't eat it it was freaking gross yeah right and they just have a moment where I think Jess was more of real Jess instead of just tough. I'm a bad boy. I got an attitude, mm-hmm. Jess. And just genuinely, like, why are you guys together? Because it doesn't seem like you guys have a lot in common. She didn't give good convincing answers to where it stuck in my brain. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, because there's no reason they should still be together other than they're two teenagers in the same small town. Mm-hmm. And they're very emotionally immature, but that's another story. They talk about books. He finally says, you know, okay, I'll try this book again. But you're going to have to, if I have questions, you're answering them. And And you have to read this book in exchange. Yeah. And it's really cute. And so later in the episode, she calls him. She tries to call Lane from the Gilmore house on Friday night dinner. And it's after nine o'clock. Mrs. Kim says that Lane can't talk because it's after nine o'clock. Rory begs. She's like, please, I just need to talk to her. I will never call this late again, ever, ever, ever. And Mrs. Kim says, okay, shock. And Lane, because she's so upset because Henry cuts, you know, breaks up with her. Which we haven't talked about yet. Right. So it's just she can't come to the phone. And mm-hmm. so Rory's like, okay. And then Rory goes home from after dinner and she calls Jess. And Jess uh, says, okay. I'm glad you called. It kind of ends on, I think, their cute lovey-dovey conversations about this these books going back and forth. Now, Dean is having an absolute conniption once they go off to have lunch together. We're kind of running back a little bit. He ends up going to Lorelai and tattletailing and saying that he broke up a fight and he took a swing at me like a little butthurt baby no he didn't you got in the middle of a fight and even jess because rory calls him out on this says you were in a fight with blah 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 he's like i was in a fight with asshole mcgee she's like oh yeah he is an asshole Mm -hmm. he probably had good reason to beat this guy up because he was an actual jerk to somebody but dean makes it out to be this huge thing that he's this bad kid that just fights everybody and took a swing at him personally when he didn't although dean deserves it Mm -hmm. let's be honest which sets Lorelai off and she's really concerned about Rory. And so she says, hey, I don't be careful around Jess, blah, 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 blah. And Rory's like, I am careful. He's actually a good guy. He was, you know, it's not what you think it is. Also, why is Dean telling you? Like, that's not cool. And yeah, no, it's not cool, Dean. Grow a pair. Grow up emotionally. I mean, you're physically bigger than an oak tree, but you know, not there emotionally. Let's talk about the Kims for a moment. 
because Lane has been crushing on this guy, Henry, and they've been having secret phone conversations orchestrated by Rory. But a date ends up falling through between the two of them and Henry is just fed up with it because he really likes her and the fact that he can't just go pick her up for a nice date, go out, treat her to a nice dinner and then go home. It's really messing with him. And so he ends up breaking it off. To be fair, he's 16 years old. Like that's a lot of work, all this sneaking around, even for adults. They can't even really like get to know each other. Mm -hmm. I think he accidentally called her house once and Mrs. Kim picked up the phone. So she's kind of wise to it all. And Lane's laying in bed after he breaks up with her crying. And Mrs. Kim's like, who is this boy that you were sneaking around with? She says, his name is Henry Cho. And he broke up with me, so it doesn't matter anymore. And she's like, Cho, that sounds Korean. (laughs) And she's like, it is Korean. And he was going to be a doctor. And now we're nothing. And it's all your fault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And her mom's like, reconsidering all of her life choices. She even goes, you sure he's Korean? (laughs) She wants to make sure. But she grounds her anyway. I was so confused. I was going to bring that up in the next episode. Um. That's why I was so confused because all of a sudden she was grounded. I guess because of the sneaking around. But there's reason. Yeah. Like, when we say sneaking around, they hadn't even held hands at this point, I don't think. Mm-mm. They danced at a party, I guess. And Lane went with them to watch the Shakespearean thing so she could watch Henry. Yeah, but- yeah it's so dumb. Yeah. I don't know why she grounded her. Stairs and CPS, that woman needs some medication. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Lane turned out as good as she did. Yeah, we'll get there. I forgot to mention, but when Rory and Jess's picnic came to a close, Rory had taken off her bracelet and he snatched it after she had left it on the bridge. See, I wasn't sure if she took it off or it just fell off. I think it was like loose like yeah i don't think she purposely took it off it came off yeah and he took it so but i did read something about i think it was scott patterson's podcast about the gilmore girls and he had milo on and he was talking about how much scott patterson and just i think milo was also in on this like as people reading the scripts how much they hate dean yep (laughs) and i'm like snaps kings kings (laughs) i had a note here i said wait it just dawned on me did rory ever go visit christopher over that christmas break why was that even a plot point they had to pay the actor for that because honestly in episode 10 Mm -hmm. christopher calls yeah and it's like a five minute scene of hey i would like for kid to come visit us and Mm -hmm. stay with us and then rory and lorelei have to have a conversation about it because lorelei doesn't like the idea of Rory leaving for a few days Mm -hmm. and then nothing ever happened of it. Obviously, she didn't because she had never met Sherry. Yeah, I have a note about that in the next episode. But like I said, I was like watching this and I'm watching how everything's kind of playing out and I'm like, yeah, wait, why was this a thing? Like, Why was this brought up? Yeah, it was very bizarre. Yeah. The topic of Jess comes up at Friday night dinner and... Emily is very confused because she's like, who's Jess? Are you not with Dean anymore? Well, how does Jess come into this? Why are you two fighting? Yeah, I don't understand. I thought everything was good. Then Lorelai talks to her mom about her concerns. And so then Emily says, oh, yes, no, that that does not sound like a young man. I want my granddaughter around. But I think Lorelai caught herself being like, I'm agreeing with my mother. And my mother is nine times out of ten wrong. (laughs) Okay. No, like, I'm going to trust my daughter. She's had good judgment so far. Let's not continue. (laughs) But I'm going to trust her. 
instead of trying to be a jerk and I'm going to be here for her. And she wants to keep that line of communication open and not cut it off. Yeah. Emily makes a comment about, yes, she's a good girl, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, boys like that can, boys like that can make good girls go bad. And she said it in that way. And I immediately heard that Cobra Starship song in my head. Make them good girls go. Them good girls go bad. And I go, good girls go bad in quotes. What is this? A Cobra Starship song? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad I thought of that too. (laughs) That song's a banger. Yeah, it is. But yeah, like I said, not all of my notes are great, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, they they hit sometimes. Stream of consciousness here. All right. Episode 14. It should have been Lorelai. Boof. No, it shouldn't have. So in this episode, in this episode of Try and Sly's Patience, hmm. in this episode, Rory and Paris, of course, are on a debate team together. We find out that their topic is going to be doctor assisted suicide, light, appropriate high school debate topic. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the school is concerned that a student's mom is boinking a teacher. Paris invites herself over to Rory's house so the two of them can practice their topic some more. Christopher calls again. He's on the phone with Lorelai and he says that he's nearby because he's on business. Lorelai says, well, actually, if you have extra time, Rory's having a debate Friday at blah, blah, blah. And you should come watch her debate. It'd be fun. And this is a, you'll even get to see this famous Paris in action. He's like, yeah, sure. And then he asks to talk to her on the phone real quick. And so Lorelai goes in and gives the phone to Rory. Lorelai and Suki are sitting in the audience waiting for the debate to begin. Suki is constantly looking over her shoulder to see where Christopher is. Like, if he's going to be there. I have a note of Mm -hmm. where was Suki when Christopher came to Stars Hollow in season one? Because she doesn't know what he looks like. Because Lorelai says, are you trying to picture what he looks like in your head? She's like, yeah, I'm trying to picture Uh someone handsome that you would have been with. But, like, he's older now. She had no idea what he looked like. Weird. Yeah, because everyone in town. I mean, Kirk took photos. And even Jackson was going on and on about how handsome he is. So where was Suki? It's just convenient. Mm-hmm. Suki should know what he looks like, but whatever. Christopher walks into the debate and lo and behold, he's got Sherry with him. After the debate, which of course Paris and Rory win, Paris, she intimidates her opponents into like shaking and crying. Yeah, it was bad. He's He sweated through his suit. Yeah. And after the debate, Rory and Lorelai decide to be polite and invite Sherry and Christopher to come see their house since they're trying to be nice with, to Sherry. And we find out that Sherry and Christopher are actually getting pretty serious. And so she wants to start really bonding with Rory. She and Lorelai go into the kitchen to get drinks for everybody in the living room. She says, I know tonight's Friday night dinner and Sherry knows everything about this family. Right? Where it's it's almost weird and she gives Lorelai this big speech of, well, we don't have to be in each other's lives. Like, we don't even have to be friends. And it's like, well, no. You kind of do. You kind of do. It was like she didn't want to be friends with Lorelai. Yeah. She went about the whole thing completely wrong. Very odd. She says, I know tonight's Friday and you have Friday night dinners. I've heard that you can get her out of Friday night dinner. Which... That one detail wouldn't have made it to Christopher. Sherry definitely wouldn't have known this. Unless Rory was like, yeah, she got me out of Friday night dinner. Maybe. To go out with Dean. Yeah. Can you please put in a word for me so she and I could go spend tonight together, or, you know, whatever, so we can bond. Without talking to Emily, she just automatically excuses Rory from Friday night dinner. And she takes Christopher with her instead because her parents love 
Christopher. But when Emily finds out about Sherry over cocktails, she completely melts down, excuses herself, she rushes off to the kitchen, and Lorelai follows her. She finds out that this meltdown is happening because Christopher is actually getting serious about someone. In Emily's mind, it would always be Lorelai. Lorelai and Christopher would have grown up and they both would have found each other. It was their destiny. Yeah. Now that she can see that this isn't going to happen, she blames Lorelai for this. You, you always kept him and everybody else in your life at arm's length. You know, even that diner man. And she's like, we're just friends. I'm like, Ugh. the answer to my question from the last episode, obviously, but uh, I said, obviously Rory didn't go over Christmas break because she was just now meeting Sherry, but you know. So Rory and Sherry go out and we find out that they have a great time. They hit it off. The next morning, Rory and Lorelai are having breakfast at Luke's and Christopher and Sherry walk in and Rory was running the secret mission to get Lane her CD and Sherry went out to find her to say goodbye. Because Lane is on like super lockdown grounding. There's a CD that's coming out that she won't be able to get and Rory put together this whole scheme of... Michelle jogging around while Kirk distracts, slipping Michelle slipping the CD in her bag. Yeah, so Sherry goes outside to look for Rory to tell her goodbye, which leaves Christopher and Lorelai alone in the diner. I mean, there's still a diner full of people, but the two of them are alone. And Christopher sits down in front of her. Lorelai says, you two are really getting serious, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And she finally drops this bomb on Christopher. And I hate this scene a lot. I mean, it's impressive, this scene, but I hate, because I don't know what yeah. Lorelai thought she was going to get out of the speech. But she she drops this huge bombshell on Christopher of, I woke up this morning and finally came to peace, but I, I always thought the two of us would end up together. I think that's why I've never been in a lasting relationship because in my head, I was always going to come back to you and we would be together. And I think even that's what happened with Max. Christopher rightfully gets pissed. I have a counter argument to that, but go on. But like he says, he's like, you don't get to drop your emotional baggage on me. I don't think she was blaming him. No. I think she was blaming herself. Right. This argument goes both ways. And he made it about himself. Right. Making himself the victim because he is still in love with Lorelai. Yeah. So I'll just say he gets very angry. He says, how dare you drop this on me? This isn't my responsibility. What you have done with your life is on you. And what I do with my life is on me. You don't get to blame any of this on me. And he storms out of the diner, which leaves everyone else staring at Lorelai, including Luke. We both said we're shocked that Luke did not hop that bar and body slam that man through a window. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my last note is, woo, that outburst of Christopher made a perfect way to close a snit. But what I will say yeah. is your words are never just your words. Yeah. You say what you say with your meaning, but your meaning, your intention never controls how the other person receives it and perceives what you're saying. So like you said, she wasn't saying it's your fault. She's saying, yeah, I take the blame for this. She's saying, because in my mind, I always thought we would end up together. I do things subconsciously to push away other men to make sure I'm available for Christopher. Christopher yeah. takes it in as, well, you're blaming me. It's based on his own insecurities right. and his own issues. To counter that thing, yes, your words are never just your, you know, your own or whatever mm -hmm. you said. You also, in the best way she could have said that, cannot control how Christopher Reacts. Exactly. That is on him. Yeah. How he reacts is on him. Mm -hmm. She came at it in a calm manner. I think she tried her best, like you said, to say, this is my my bad. I just want to let you know this is where I'm standing because they did hook up last time they saw each yeah. other. I mean, she wants to make it clear that she is done. 
And he is upset because he's still in love with mm-hmm. her. And that's what I don't like is because, again, it, it's that little boy. He could have said it like, I'm really feeling like you're blaming me for this. And I don't think that's right. So I'm going to just go like, whatever, I'm whatever. Even if he was pissed about it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But he immediately blew up for like out of nowhere because he's insecure and yeah, immature. That's the big thing is we talked about this in one of our first few episodes that Lorelai kind of almost stayed stagnant at 16 for a long time. And mm-hmm. now that Rory is catching up to her, like Rory is 16, mm-hmm. now she's 17. Not that Lorelai hasn't been growing up because Lorelai's been busting it to be a good responsible single mother. But there are ways yeah. like emotionally where she's a little behind and she's growing Growing up with Rory because Rory is growing up and forcing her hand. Christopher hasn't yeah. had that. So he does have that emotional outburst the way we see Dean react to things. That's a good parallel, actually. Yeah. So I understand that Christopher got upset, but because again, you only control what you say. You don't control how other people take what you say, which is a big thing that like I have to work with because I just say things bluntly as well. Like you've Mm -hmm. learned to like, if I say something like I don't always mean it the way it comes out. I'm the same way. So like, I get it. I totally I understand it. what she's saying and I also understand how he took it. Neither side is right yeah. and neither side is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not great, but... Hers was a step in the right direction of taking responsibility and being honest mm-hmm. with someone. Obviously, it's not over because of how the show almost ends. There is still something between them and she tried to put the line in the sand saying, here's where I'm at. Whenever it was his turn to say where he was at, he blew up. Hers was a step in the right direction. It wasn't a perfect response. She could have phrased it better. But in the moment, like, she wasn't coming at him with hostility. She, I feel like the comments she made, Christopher wasn't ready to receive. Oh, absolutely not. I don't think that man was ready to receive his McDonald's order, much less those. I feel like where she's at emotionally in her maturity, that comment should have been made to Suki. Or even possibly to Rory, but that's a stretch for a 17 year old as far as like appropriate to say to your daughter i feel like that comment should have been made to suki more than christopher's face she is very comfortable with christopher Mm -hmm. and i think she didn't realize how emotionally immature he was she thought they were on an even playing field i think and they aren't i don't like his outbursts i think your parallel saying that it's like how dean would react i think that's exactly Mm -hmm. correct but i think she is trying to make a step in the right direction but yeah i don't know i just hate christopher he cute though he's so cute Now, I wanted to hit you with a fun fact. We will be seeing Sherry next season of Bitch Watch. Mm -hmm. She on Twin Peaks. She is one of my favorite characters of Twin Peaks. Shelly, who I talk about all the time. From Sherry to Shelly. Yep. And then she's also actually Alice Cooper in Riverdale. So the best character in Riverdale, arguably. She is beautiful. Ugh. But whenever she walked in the door, I audibly gasped. I was like, no, it's (laughs) Shelly and uh, Alice. But uh, yeah, I I love her. She's so beautiful. And her and Lauren Graham in the same room. I almost had to turn that TV off and walk out. It was too much of my favorite people in one room. I will say that we're hoping next week's episode will have regular quotes again, normal. Mm -hmm. But while we are trying to regain missed ground, (laughs) follow my overtime and cutting into our recording schedule, we may have episodes here and there where we don't have regular quotes. So yeah, if that really drives you crazy and really irks you, let us know on our social media. Or 
you know, if you don't mind us flying off the cuff and having normal quotes, also let us know on our social media, which we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BitchWatchPod. You like that seamless That was beautiful. Transition. I'm proud of you. You've been working on that all this time when we were late? No, I just thought of that just now on, on the cuff. Oh, professional. Cuffing it. You're cuffing it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is at bean.buttrito. If you want to follow me on Twitter, drop the dot. I'm also on TikTok at, I think, bean.buttrito. It's a mystery, folks. Time to figure it out. Either, Slide us in Either know. with the dot or without the... And Witsy. And I am on Instagram at Witsy12. And I am on Twitter at EC underscore Witsy, W-H-I-T-Z-Y. If you like what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. And be ready to... Uh, discuss your character rankings next episode i'm ready i think i'm ready we all know where dean's gonna be (laughs) we're gonna have to make a new tier for like (laughs) below f like shit tier right not worthy of licking the shit off my boots tier remember to make good choices or don't and be smart about it okay bye. bye two bitches yeah two bitches two bitches just watching tv (laughs) bitch